This is Women and Worldviews podcast. I am your host, Dr. Katherine Lowe. I am a professor and a chaplain at a small university in the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. With me is a young woman I've known for quite a while. She was a leader when I knew her on campus, and now she's a school teacher. Welcome, Holly. Hi. You, like many recent graduates, you struggled with where you wanted to end up after graduation. I'll get to that. But first, just describe who you are, your college journey, and how it impacted your worldview. I was not planning on attending a women's college, so the fact that I did and all of the experience that I've had at Mary Baldwin really changed uh, my worldview. There are so many examples that come to mind, but one sticks out in particular. I was coming from Stanton from a small rural town, and everyday pleasantries and the desire to please people ran, and to some extent still do, run pretty deep in my life. Around my sophomore year, I realized that there is a big tendency for women to constantly say yes. Even more than that, I found myself surrounded by a group of incredible women who were constantly saying yes to things that they didn't want to do. Freshman year, you're always encouraged to try everything, but no one tells you when to stop and only think, pick the things that bring you joy. While I slowly began that journey throughout college and really began to take on the idea of only keeping the activities, people, and things in my life that bring me joy and happiness, it certainly was a hard transition. As someone that was essentially raised in the South, you're taught that you just don't say no to things. By saying no, I really created some unique and awesome experiences while in college. That's a good point of advice for students currently in college to create boundaries and balance, but it's a lesson that's hard to learn. But what's your religious orientation to the world now in light of what you experienced in college? When I left college, I was definitely in a place where I just didn't know. I was really struggling with my faith and how it played in my life. My second semester of senior year was really tough. I had six pretty big rejections from schools and jobs that I loved, and so I was in a tough place come graduation. Fast forward a few months post-graduation, and I started dating someone in seminary. I often chuckle looking back because God has some interesting ways to bring you back to where you need to be. I was really open with Micah at the beginning about where I was in my faith because it could have quickly been a deal breaker. Luckily, he stuck around, and over the past three years, I've really begun to find my faith again, and I credit a lot of that to the conversations and work that he and I have done together through his schooling and his job. You were open with the person you were dating about where you were in your faith three years ago. Where were you in your faith three years ago? Describe what that was like for you. Three years ago, I really, I didn't have much faith. Um, I had been through a lot when I was in college, and I was kind of left, even as a religion studies major, I was kind of left with, with none. I didn't really know where to go from there. What are some of the struggles you have faced within Christianity? The challenges that I've faced as a white Christian female haven't been around the fact that I was college educated, um, but more around my struggles with mental health. You were definitely aware of this during college, but I struggled a lot with my faith. During college, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety, which were things that I silently struggled with for a long, long time. So much of the Christian tradition views mental health as a taboo and as a sign of a lack of faith. So instead of being open with my faith community at the time, I ran and avoided it. It gave me time to look at other faith traditions within and outside of the Christian tradition, but I eventually came back to United Methodist Church. Its conversation around mental health in general, and especially in faith communities, has been has become more open, it's been easier to find myself back inside those faith traditions. Why do you think it's become more open to talk about mental health in the church in general? 
I think people have been more open about their struggles. And I think when you see people who are struggling, but still see that they have faith and it's not because of a lack of faith, it's easier to have those conversations and realize that there is a place within the church for people who have struggles with mental illness. You academically studied religious studies in college, and you were exposed to a lot of religious diversity while in college. How did that impact your career as it's unfolding even now? As a public school teacher, I don't openly talk about religion with my students, but that by no means indicate that A, my students don't talk to me about it, or that B, being involved in interfaith work throughout college does not impact me on a daily basis. I've been able to apply the knowledge that I gained through my religion classes and to teaching a diverse classroom. All but one of my students is African-American, Filipino, or Latinx, and a large portion of them are first-generation Americans or immigrants. Having been able to have conversations in college across religious lines helped foster and create an ability to have meaningful conversations across all lines of difference. I've been able to channel that through accountable talk and culturally responsive teaching with my fifth graders. My fifth graders are also really open about their faiths. My students that are in traditionally African-American churches like to spend some of their recess pretending to baptize each other, (laughs) whereas my Catholics are at the age for their first communion, so many of them come and tell me and share pictures from their services. As a public school teacher right now, and as a recent graduate from a women's college, what is something that you want current students to know? This is the time now, a graduation season, and a lot of colleges and universities are graduating young students, young women in particular. What do you want them to know? One thing I would want them to know is that this is just the beginning of your journey. You can't imagine where the rest of your life is going to take you. At least I couldn't. But you have a strong foundation of education and relationships you've established while at college that you can lean into when you need strength and courage and rest for your journey. So Holly, there is something I want to get at with you because you have studied religious studies academically. You have engaged in interfaith work at campus. You're a public school teacher. You're a graduate of a women's college. And you say that you claim United Methodist Church as your home. What does that mean to you? Describe your worldview now, knowing what you know from all of those experiences. What does God mean to you? What's the role of the church in modern society? Just tell me what your worldview is right now. I still cling to the United Methodist Church because there are definitely aspects of it. It's by no means a perfect church, but their work towards social justice is something that has always kind of called me there. Um, I once heard someone say that while there's separation of church and state, that doesn't mean that the church isn't a part of that conversation. And I think the Methodist Church has done a really good job of stepping up and having those conversations, especially in recent months as things in the world has unfolded, the Methodist Church has spoken out and taken a stance on immigration and how they feel. They were in the process right now of where does the church stand on homosexuality? And so they're having those hard and tough questions and conversations that I have with my fifth graders in my classroom. And so everyone's asking it from my 10 and 11 year olds to people, you know, in the church, they're all having these tough conversations. And for me, the Methodist Church has been that place where I feel like my view fits in with those conversations. And it's interesting that you mention, you know, current uh, immigration discussions in conjunction with the church because you did your senior thesis paper on the sanctuary movement. And I think in the last couple of years, that sanctuary movement idea is resurfacing. Yeah, in the Methodist Church, especially the Methodist Church in D.C., one of my friends that I've made through Micah and my sister being at seminary, the church that she was at was a huge part of the sanctuary movement in 
D.C., and it was a Methodist church. And I'm finding that in my work now, especially with all, most of my students being immigrants, like, how do we let them know that they're safe in our classrooms, that, you know, ICE isn't going to come into our buildings. They're safe. Like, I'm there to protect them. And regardless of where they were born, you know, who their parents are, who they end up loving when they're older, like, I'm there to teach them. Like, every student is every student. And that's what matters. It doesn't matter who or where they're from. Holly, thank you so much for being here. And thanks for having me. I have the pleasure of working with a diverse group of students on campus and following up with them in very new and exciting ways on what they're doing with their lives after graduation. Good luck to all of those graduates out there. Young women will continue to construct their worldviews, even beyond graduation, as we see here today. And the worldviews expressed in this podcast are their own. Thanks for joining us.